I, uh, this is going to be a little different tonight, but I, um, you know, I, I've been, I've been in this church since I was just a young teenager and, uh, I've watched this church grow and ebb and flow and we're right now in the middle of a great move of the spirit of the Lord. God is beginning something that's going to, it's going to get bigger than we are. And you know why it's going to get bigger than we are? So that we can't take the credit for it. Amen. And so I'm going to just talk to you from my heart tonight. Pastor, Pastor asked me uh, if I had anything that uh, uh, I want to say tonight, and uh, I want to stay in the flow of the Spirit. You know, we have Sunday morning, Sunday night church that's second to none, moving of the Spirit of God, powerful moves of God, and that's for, basically, it's for us to be introduced to new folks that come to check us out, to see what we're doing, and what we have here and and Sunday morning and Sunday night we we see that happen and then Wednesday night we're blessed to have Bible study and a move of God on Wednesday night to help us to be able to move forward and that's what I want to talk to you about tonight uh, turn in your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 17. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 17. You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware, lest you also fall from your own steadfastness being led away with the error of the wicked. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. My title, which is not all that important, you probably won't remember it, but my title tonight is, We're Not There Yet. We're Not There Yet. Now, here's, here's what i got to tell you tonight in a nutshell. It's not about the start. It's about the journey. Now, I'm going to do a little something. I realize I'm taking a risk here. But I'm going to do a little something for just a few minutes here, I need some audience participation. Is that all right? Now, if you want to respond to what I'm saying, then I'd like for you to stand when I ask you this question, and I'll call on you. But I want to get my finger on the pulse. I, I think I already have it on the pulse of this church, but... 
I want to get my finger on the pulse of where we are as a church body. And this is my question. I want your answer to be short and to the point. And then I'm going to preach to you a little bit. In, in a few words, I would like for you to tell me what you individually are in the church for. Now, if you want to respond to that, stand. Frank? All right. All right. Brother Jordan. All right. All right. Sister Mangs? All right. Brother Sawyer, I know you always stand, but... There you go, Brother Dan. All right. All right. It's good. What, buddy? All right. Amen. Anyone else? Quickly. All right. All right, that's good. Now, I, I, I want to help you right here because I, I, I believe we're all in the church to be saved. I believe we're all in the church because we want to see our families saved and we want to go to heaven. And, but, but I want to ask you something else. What about, what about the lost soul? Did you hear anybody say, I'm in this for the lost soul? I'm going to show you something. I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not rebuking you tonight. I'm going to try to help you. On Sunday night, at the end of the service... Anybody see the little couple that came in and sat right back there on that end? I sat here and purposefully watched. And I may be wrong. If you did, I apologize to you. But I never seen one person go to that couple. They, they were driving up and down this street. And the Lord spoke to them and told them, you need to go in there. That man is in kidney failure. And they needed a miracle. Again, I'm not rebuking you. I'm trying to make you understand, this church is not here just for us. 
Come on, somebody. God has us here because He's going to send us lost souls that need to be saved, sick bodies that need to be healed, broken families that need to be repaired. And it's our responsibility as the body of Christ to go to them and minister to them. Watch this. Watch, watch what the writer says. He said, You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware, lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. Watch me right here. Listen, listen to Bishop. Everything plateaus. When until you're willing to make the trade-off. What do you mean, Bishop? The mountain climber that approaches Mount Everest, he starts out with a camera, tripod, backpacks, foods, things that sustain him. And as he makes the trek up the mountain, he discards them one by one. Why? Because he had to make the trade-off to keep on climbing upward. Listen to me. There's some things that we've got to trade off if we're going to keep progressing. When, when Pastor mentioned to me about preaching tonight, the word came to me progress or progressing there's some things that we're going to have to let go of to be able to move upward in our climb into the kingdom of God that God wants us to achieve listen you want to know whether or not you're saved or backslidden here's the way to tell you're saved when you're moving forward you're backslidden when you're going back to the things that the old man used to do. When that becomes more of an attraction to you than what you can do in the kingdom of God, you're headed in the wrong direction. I knew it wouldn't be popular, but... There's a lot of people, a lot of people that think once they become a follower of Jesus or a Christian that they've arrived. Albert Einstein attended a dinner party and his young college student neighbor was seated beside him. Everybody know who Albert Einstein is? The neighbor didn't know who Einstein was. In the course of their conversation, Albert Einstein's young neighbor asked the white-haired scientist, What are you, what is your actual profession? He said, I devote myself I devote myself to the study of physics. 
looked at him in astonishment. You mean to say you study physics at your age? She said, I finished mine a year ago. The point was, he never quit learning. He never quit reaching for something new. That's where we must be as the church of the living God. We're not there yet. We haven't made it to the streets of gold yet. We haven't walked through the gates of pearl yet. And God is trying to get us to reach for more down here. Say, well, well, Bishop, I don't know if that's all right. Well, listen, why did he tell his disciples then when you pray, pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done. It is the will of God for heaven to come down to earth. But there must be something in us that drives us to say, we're not there yet. How many of you have seen someone who claims to be a Christian, but their lives don't show it? Anybody? You know, if, if you ask them, they'd say, oh yeah, I'm a baptized member of such and such a church. But if they didn't tell you, you'd never guessed it. Hello? You know the difference between that person and a real Christian? That person started but never grew. They weren't willing to trade off their I've arrived attitude for one that was willing to grow. I feel the Holy Ghost reaching for this church to move us into a place where there's something that drives us every morning when we wake up. That God... Yesterday is gone and today is a brand new day and I want to experience something in your kingdom that I have not experienced as of yet. God, today my prayer is less of me and more of you. Preacher went to see some people in his congregation. He came up on the front porch. The door burst open. Swung back against the house with a bang. And out came a red-faced man. And right on his heels was a red-faced woman with a frying pan. When they saw the preacher... They quickly straightened up and the man smiled and said, Preacher, I tell you, we have more fun than anyone on this block.
Amen. What are you saying, Bishop? I'm telling you, it doesn't matter what you are in here as much as it does what you are out there. And what causes us to be able to move forward is that we're willing to lay aside some things that used to be important to us that aren't important to us anymore. And we're willing to push and press into the kingdom of God. Now I know you're not going to believe this, but there are some preachers, there's some preachers that just know how to preach. They quit studying. They quit praying. They just know how to preach. Say, oh, come on now, Bishop. I'm telling you that we can get to the place in our walk with God that we simply take for granted that things are always going to be as they were and the Spirit of the Lord is bidding us and calling us to come closer to Him and to follow His leading because He wants to take us to places that we have not been before. Some, some folks think that spiritual growth is mystical. It's kind of out there somewhere. And if you can find the secret key, you'll somehow magically grow. But the truth is that spiritual growth is very practical. There's some specific things that you can do, specific habits that you can develop if you want to grow. But you got to grow. <laughs> I read this story about a New York City businessman. He moved out into the country and bought a piece of land. And he went to the local feed and livestock store and he talked to the proprietor about how he was going to take up chicken farming. So he asked to buy a hundred chicks. That's a lot of chicks, commented the proprietor. He said, I mean business. A week later, the new farmer was back again. I need another hundred chicks. Boy, you're serious about this chicken farming. Well, the man replied, if I could just iron out a few problems. Problems, asked the proprietor. Yeah, replied the man. I think I planted that last batch too close together. There are certain things that you must do to grow. And there's no other way to do it. Years ago, I heard Brother Anthony Mangan say at a conference that we were at, there's only one way to have revival. It's a four-letter word. W-O-R-K. If we're going to have the move of God that God is desiring 
among us. We must realize that it's going to take all of us working together for a common purpose to see the move of God that God, it can't just be a few here and a few there, but God is calling us to a place that we're willing to work together as the body of Christ. Watch me here. We're willing to not do things in our lives that put pressure on the pastor that takes away from his anointing and his ability to minister to those that God is sending us because he's having to deal with things that he shouldn't have to deal with. Amen. When you're a child, when you're born, somebody's got to take care of you. Somebody's got to feed you and diaper you. and Then you begin to mature and grow a little bit. Begin to say little syllables and then take those syllables and put them into words. Say things like mama and dada. You start to use those words and then you begin to mature a little bit more and you begin to be able to have conversation. And you grow up. And you can't, at 15 years old or 20 years old, expect somebody to feed you and change your diaper. What are you saying, Bishop? I'm telling you that God is trying to get us to the place that new babies can come in and us take care of them and not have to take care of us. Don't get uncomfortable. There's certain things that you must do to grow. Peter said, but be continually growing in grace. Make growth a part of your daily life. The, the, the phrase literally, literally means, the Greek verb means, be growing all the time. Everybody say, I need to grow. John Maxwell, who is a well-known business author and lecturer, says this. You will never change your life. Until you change something you do daily. Let me say it again. You will never change your life until you change something you do daily. The secret to your growth and success as a Christian is in your daily schedule. Let me give you three things, and, and I'll move forward here. I, I realize and understand that when things nudge us a little bit, it gets uncomfortable. But I, I'm trying to help this church to understand we are in a season where God wants to help us. But we've got to understand our purpose in the church and the reason why we're here. And it's not just for us. Number one, you need 
daily quiet time with God. There are many benefits of quiet time in a fast-paced world. There's lots of psychiatrists who recognize the value of quiet time. In a book that I read called Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, Richard Carlson recommends a period of quiet time each day for personal peace and relaxation. If you want it to be a time of spiritual growth, spend quiet time with God. I guarantee that this will not be an easy habit for you to establish. Start small. Go to work 10 minutes early and sit in the car before going in and just get quiet with God. Talk quietly to Him. Focus on Him and what He's done in your life. Be thankful and ask Him for help today. Secondly, Bible study. Studying the Bible on your own is a fantastic way to grow. Reading it daily. Applying it to your life. Writing down your favorite verses to come back to. Writing down questions you have. And ask someone. We've got great ministry staff here. That are available to you anytime. If you've got questions, just ask us. If we don't have the answer, we'll get the answer. But don't walk around with questions in your mind that are hindering your growth. I said earlier, we have service on Sunday a.m. and p.m., thank God. But on Wednesday night, we have this service designed for more serious Bible study and growth. I want you to know that it's our desire to see you grow on a personal level like never before. The world is depending on it. This city is depending on it. Your family is depending on it. Come on, somebody. The backslider is depending on it. The prodigal is depending on it. They're counting on you and me to grow so that we can get beyond having to have our needs met and we can meet their needs when they walk through the door. Somebody say we're not there yet. Number three, share with someone else what God's done for you. Is there anybody here that's been blessed? Anybody here that's been healed? Anybody here that's been delivered? Anybody here that's been saved? What are you waiting on? 
I said, what are you waiting on? What are you waiting on? Well, you know, I don't have a, that, that great of a testimony. Wait just a minute. Don't you remember where you were when he found you? Don't you remember where you were headed when he found you? You got a testimony. You got something to tell everybody that you come in contact with. If you want to grow, the Bible said we're made overcomers uh, by the word of our testimony and the blood of the Lamb. If you want to grow, tell somebody else what Jesus has done for you. Oh, and, and let me just throw in there, after you do that, live like Jesus would have you to live. Grow in grace, Peter said. The word grace in the Bible has two meanings. The first one is undeserved kindness. Romans 3 and 24 said, being justified freely by His grace. Undeserved kindness. It's the one that gets emphasized a lot. They talk about God's grace being free, forgiveness, and love, even when we don't deserve it. And that's a wonderful thing. I'm thankful for the grace of God in that way. But a lot of churches these days forget that grace has a two-part definition. Watch this. 1 Corinthians 15 and 10. Watch what it says. It says to us, it is, grace is enabling power. Watch what it says. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was within me. Here's what that means. God loves you like you are, but you don't have to stay that way. He can change you. You can be different. The same God that loves you just like you are. Loves you too much to leave you that way. So, Bishop, how can I experience God's grace? Well, it's easy. It's real easy. Just get to know Jesus better. Watch what he said. In the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There are two ways that the word know is used in the Bible. Head knowledge. Learning about the ignition, the starter, the battery, the fuel injection, the pistons. You can do that by reading the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then there's experiential knowledge. That's starting the car. But I believe that the focus here is not on head knowledge. I believe the focus here is on getting to know 
Jesus personally. There are two ways that we need to get to know Him. First of all, we need to get to know Him as Lord. What's that mean, Bishop? The word Lord meant Master. If Jesus Christ is your Lord, then you are His servant. Let me say that again. If Jesus Christ is your Lord, then you are His servant. If you want to know Him as Lord, you've got to submit to Him just like a servant or an employee has to submit to the boss. By the way, When you submit to him, you'll find out that he's the best boss you've ever had. He's he's not a uh, he's not somebody that's just on call for you. He's not just your boy. Well, I thought God loved me. He does love you. But He loves you because you're His servant. You're obedient to Him. And nothing else. You're not submitting to your flesh. You're not submitting to your family. You're not submitting to things around you. Your life and your growth in Christ is relative to how much you're willing to submit yourself to His leading. I, I, I watch people. I, I love to watch. I love to watch new babies, new converts. I love to watch how God works in their lives. They never heard one message on holiness. Never heard one message on separation. But you could watch them. They become servants of the Lord. And the Spirit of God leads them and guides them. And immediately there's things that begin to show up in their lives because they're listening for the voice of God. And they don't take that for granted. We cannot afford in this hour to take the voice of God for granted. I'm going to speak to this church in a different vein right here because I realize what I know in my spirit is right. I'm telling you that in the last several services, and I realize tonight that I could open up a huge can of worms here, but I feel in the spirit that God wants this church to hear this right now. In the last several services, God has been calling some of you and dealing with some of you to walk in the gifts of the Spirit and operate in the gifts of the Spirit. I know personally that the messages were there. I know personally I could have called you out and said you were supposed to do that and you didn't do that. Hear me right now. God is trying to get us to the place that we throw aside fear and we throw aside doubt and we walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh and allow God 
Listen, this church is going to grow to such measure that it's going to take more than just one or two or three or four to do what needs to be done in the Spirit. We're not there yet, but God is leading us there. But God needs you to be obedient to His call. Get to know Him as your Savior. What does it mean for Jesus to be your Savior? It's pretty simple. The one who saves you. you got to stop trying to be your own Savior. Too many people, please hear me right now, Too many people are trusting in how good they are. They try to be good parents. They gave some money to tsunami victims. They go to church pretty regularly. You got to get away from that if you want to know Jesus as your Savior. You got to accept what He did for you on the cross. Let let me reiterate it to you. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. And with His stripes we are healed. You gotta trust what he did for you on the cross, and you gotta grow enough to walk in it and believe it every time you need it. He died, so you don't have to. He took the punishment for your sin. So you'll never have to take it. If you accept His sacrifice as yours. The way you do that. The way you do that. Is to ask Him for forgiveness. And decide to change. It's that simple. That's exactly what some of you did. Sunday, this week, I want to offer that chance to the rest of you. I'm sure I'm talking to someone here tonight that would say, Bishop, I'd like to grow spiritually this year. I know I haven't arrived, but I'm not just, just not sure about my relationship with Jesus Christ. I I don't know where I stand with him, but I'd like to know. If that's where you're at tonight, I'm asking you, please be honest with yourself and be honest with God. God, I'm not there yet. I want more of you than I've ever had. God, I want less of me in my life and more of you in my life. I started talking to you about The climbers on Mount Everest 
climbers that failed to climb Everest back at the foot of the mountain, they were all depressed because they'd missed the window of opportunity. And now they'd have to wait until next year to try again. The expedition leader walked over to the big window and spoke to the mountain. And sometimes that's what you need to do. Jesus said, if you have faith, you can say to the mountain, be thou removed. Come on. There's some things in the way for some of you that all God is waiting for is for you to step out and say it's enough. I'm not going to allow it to block my progress any longer. Be thou removed and cast into the sea. That expedition leader stepped up and said, Well, Everest... You've beaten us this time. We failed. But I want to tell you something. We're coming back. And next time, we'll win. Because you're just as big as you're going to get. But we're going to get better. Oh, I'm going to preach that a minute. There's some of you that have gone through some trials gone through some tests, some things that you don't understand and have no answers for. But I'm telling you tonight that God is calling you to step up and begin to seek Him to grow bigger and better. And when you come back, you're going to win because the circumstance is going to be the same. But your God is greater than any circumstance, any sickness, any disease, any problem, any financial issue. Your God is greater and you are the winner. Come on, praise Him right now. I'm about done. Some of you may feel like you've been beaten by the Mount Everest in your life. You weren't able to climb to the top of it. Maybe there was a sin in your life that you couldn't conquer, a grief that you couldn't handle, a family issue. That you couldn't work out. I want to encourage you tonight. Instead of giving up. Why don't you grow? I said instead of giving up. Why don't you grow? Why don't you come back. With a vengeance. Equipped with more spiritual growth. And take it on again. And let the devil know. This time, the story's not going to be the same. I'm coming out on the other side, and I'm coming out victorious. I will not be defeated this time. You got me once, but you won't get me again. Come on, somebody help me right now. I said, you got me once, devil, but you won't get me again. Stand with me.
I hope I haven't been too mean trying to help this church. My wife, she didn't, I don't know if she knew I was preaching tonight or not. We were driving along. I had an appointment in Muncie today. My wife said to me, this church wants, forgive the reference, but this church wants to hear Luke preach. And I say, amen. I'm glad. It's all you. You're the man. My pastor. You're the voice for this congregation. I said you're the voice for this city. I don't mean that facetiously. I'm telling you that God has sent us a man of God that wants to have revival. But God is calling you and me. It's time for us to grow. Because He wants to give us greater victory than we've ever had. I want you to close your eyes right now and lift your hands to the Lord. I want you to have just a little moment of honesty here with God. I want you to tell God, God, I'm not there yet, but I'm going to get there. Come on. God, I'm not there yet, but I'm pointed in that direction. God, I'm going to develop the kind of relationship with you that your voice is the only voice that matters in my life. I want to hear from you, God, and you alone. God, I want you to do a work in me from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Don't let me take ministry for granted. God, don't let me take this church for granted. Don't let me take my role in this church for granted. You've called me, God, to do a work in this church. Help me serve you, God, with all that is within me. And to lay down the things that don't matter and to pick up the things that do Come on, in the name of Jesus, let's praise Him together right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, we praise You tonight. We love You, Lord. We thank You, God. I love You, church family. Let's have revival together. Let's see God do a mighty work together. Not apart, not separately. We're all in this together. I'm asking you to be mindful of those that God sends our way. Minister to them. They've come because they need to be ministered to. Let God use you. Say, well, I have a little, I have a little fear about that, Bishop. You don't have to be afraid. If you've got the Holy Ghost living inside of you, It doesn't matter what you face when you step back there to those individuals. The Bible said greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And God's going to anoint you and use you to minister to those that are in need. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to grow. Don't be afraid to walk by faith and not by sight. Let God use you in a mighty way. God bless you. We love you. Remember prayer meeting tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. Shake hands. Be friendly. Go in Jesus' name.